Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. It's great to be here with you. My name is Chris, and I am the teaching pastor here at Meadowbrook. And uh, I haven't been in the pulpit for a while, and just with holidays and different things, but it's very exciting to be back with you. We have missed you, uh, and we're very excited today as we get into a new sermon series. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1154 in that Bible. We're starting a brand new series today for the next eight weeks that we've called The Good Fight, Exploring Spiritual Warfare. And a lot of uh, time and prep and prayer has gone into getting ready for this. And one of the things that we have done this year uh, for the first time is we put together a curriculum uh, that goes with it. There's a booklet that is kind of a sermon guide that's going to help you go deeper uh, than the sermons will on their own. A lot of our life groups this fall are walking through it uh, as their life group curriculum. And so if you want to buy one, you can buy one for $5 at the Hub after the service. Do us a favor, please, right now, if you haven't, write your name on the front page, because they all look exactly the same, and there have been times where we have found them lying around the, her the, the church, and we're not sure who they belong to. So uh, if you want to follow along in that sense, please grab that at the Hub, and we are encouraging everybody uh, to jump into a life group this fall. These are groups that meet once a week, midweek, uh, and the groups that are going through this curriculum are going to be taking the Sunday morning teaching uh, and just going deeper with it, and especially figuring out uh, how do we apply this teaching to our lives in a real and practical and down-to-earth way? So we have some groups that are still open. We have spots for everybody. Uh, they meet on different days of the week in different locations. So you can go to the Hub and sign up for one after church if you haven't already. So as we go through this series, spiritual warfare is a great, big, huge, massive, abstract, mystical, mysterious concept that we're going to master in eight weeks as we go through it here at Meadowbrook Church. And uh, we're going to do the best we can with a tough topic. And there's an element of this teaching that has to be abstract because we're dealing with the spiritual realm, but we're, we really are trying to make it very uh, easy to understand, very clear, very practical, very down to earth. And the starting point uh, of this series and the premise that we're beginning from is that we are under attack right now. Woohoo! <laughs> actually, every day of your life, actually before you were even born, there was an agenda to take you out. And that's, that's the bad news. There's good news at the end of this. But the bad news is there is an enemy. Scripture calls him the enemy of our souls. And he's called Satan, the devil. Uh, he has forces at his disposal. And he is trying to take humanity down. He's been doing it since the beginning. He is a liar. He is a murderer. He is a thief. And if he had his way, your life would be completely in shambles all the time. And his desire, his greatest goal is for you to be uh, in a marriage that's falling apart, in, in tension with your family and with your kids, your friends bickering and fighting. He wants you sick. He wants you discouraged. He wants you fed up. He wants you worn out. He wants you full of fear. He wants you overthinking everything so that you're full of worry and anxiety. He wants to do everything he can to take you down. If he had his way, you would be dead right now and in hell with him forever. This is the level of the agenda that's coming against us. Who's excited? Come on. 
That's the bad news. There's good news that we are going to get to, but we need to start with that understanding right off the bat. I want to show you a short clip as we get going. It's from the movie Lord of the Rings. And in this clip, uh, all you really need to know, even if you don't know the movies, is uh, there is an evil army that has invaded the land. And some refugees have been fleeing from this army, and they've gone to the castle of the good king. And they're trying to convince the good king to ride out and fight against this evil army. Take a look. No warning. They were unarmed. Now the wild men are moving through the Westfold, burning as they go. Rick Cotton Tree. Where is Mama? This is but a taste of the terror that Solomon will unleash. All the more potent he is driven out by fear of Sauron. Ride out and meet him head on. Draw him away from your women and children. You must fight. You have 2,000 good men riding north as we speak. Aymer is loyal to you. His men will return and fight for their king. They will be 300 leagues from here by now. Aymer cannot help us. I know what it is you want of me, but I will not bring further death to my people. I will not risk open war. Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. And that last line was the line I wanted you to hear. There is a war going on, whether you're aware of it or not. You're under attack, whether you're aware of it or not. And what we want to do in this series is just uh, take a look at Satan, who is the prince of darkness, who is slimy and shady and deals with things in shadows and in hiddenness. And we just want to shine a great big spotlight of God's truth and God's word on what he is up to. And as we have an understanding of that, we are talking about engaging in spiritual warfare. And there's lots of different ways we can define it, but the simplest definition of spiritual warfare I can give you is this. Spiritual warfare is wherever in our lives we are pushing the kingdom of darkness back. Spiritual warfare is pushing the kingdom of darkness back. And as we go through the series, we're going to give you tips and teachings and tools on how we actually do that. But just as a basic definition to get us going, how do we live our lives where we are pushing the kingdom of darkness back? And one more clip I want to show you. Who remembers the cartoon G.I. Joe from the 80s? This is part of my childhood. We were not allowed to watch G.I. Joe because uh, it was super violent and it was really inappropriate for kids to watch, but we totally did anyway when my mom wasn't around. And my mom is listening to this online, no doubt, and so sorry, mom, about that, but it's good to get that. I feel good getting that off my chest after 30 or so years. And so it was a really violent show and lots of shooting and, and everything. And so one of the things that they did was they were getting all these criticisms about this cartoon just being way too violent. So they started adding public service announcements at the end of every episode. It was a little 30-second uh, clip where the heroes of G.I. Joe would come and talk to kids about, uh, you know, not following strangers and, and listening to your parents and those kinds of things. They were trying to balance out the, the sort of immorality of the violence with a good moral message just to wrap up the whole thing. And they had a tagline that you might have heard, and I just want to show you an example of one as we go. Johnny, catch! Oh no! Let's tell Mom it was Billy's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? 
Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! <laughs> I miss the 80s so much sometimes. That was amazing. Did that scratch the itch of your childhood for anybody else? There is that tagline at the end, now you know and knowing is half the battle. And that was the phrase that they ended every one of those PSAs with. And that's really a big part of this sermon series is just the knowing, the understanding where Satan works in darkness and we expose that with light. Now you know and just knowing is half the battle. Just that awareness is half the battle. Just that understanding from God's word, that alone is going to help us move forward into victory. So we're going to be here for eight weeks. If you miss any messages, they're always online uh, within a day or two of the Sunday, so you can still follow along. Let's take a look at our text as we get going. As we start off our series, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, and we're starting in verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now jump down in the same chapter, way down to verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed, clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting, of death, or the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So if we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, we're going to start always by talking about Jesus. We're going to do that with most things we teach on. We're always going to start with Jesus. The emphasis won't be the enemy right off the bat. We have to start with Jesus. And 1 Corinthians has been called, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the chapter we read today, has been called one of the clearest pictures of the gospel. Uh, that if you really want to understand everything the gospel is, you can read 1 Corinthians 15 and get a pretty good handle on it. And there's more to it than, than everything they talk about here. But just if you're looking for a good snapshot, and we're not going to touch on a fraction of what we just read, but in there is Jesus and the resurrection and the victory and the rapture and the end times. And there's all these amazing things built up in there. And it all points to this picture that Jesus has won. He's won. And that is the clear testimony of scripture over and over and over again is that he has won. 
And the victory has already been completed. We called the sermon today, A War Already Won. There's a, a song by the Christian band Starfield called Revolution. And there's a line from their song where they say, I am a revolution, I am a war already won. And there's something about that phrasing that I just really liked. But the war has been won already. And yet we look around in our lives and we say, well, it doesn't always feel like victory. It doesn't always feel like uh, that, that it's already won. It feels like the enemy is still up to things. And, and Satan, you know, as we said, wants us divided, wants us bickering, wants us bitter, wants us angry, wants us discouraged. And, and sometimes those things can come fast and furious at us. Sometimes we don't even realize that they're happening. It just feels like truth to us because that's how subtle he can be. There was an afternoon this week, uh, just as we've been getting ready for the series, we've seen the enemy just really kind of stirring up stuff. So lots of marriages in our church are going through stuff right now. There's a lot of difficulties and troubles and discouragement and fear and, and overwhelming worry about things. And so we see him at work. But there was an afternoon this week where for a few hours, I was just like, I'm quitting ministry. I'm quitting everything. I'm wasting my life. And, and I don't actually feel that way, but the discouragement was just so heavy, just for a few hours. And that's not normally how I walk around, but for a few hours, it was just, ugh, just, I, I, I want to quit. And I pushed through it because I've walked with the Lord long enough to recognize the enemy when he comes knocking. And so again, now we know, and knowing's half the battle. Part of it is just understanding so that our eyes can be open. But as we consider this, that we, we live in this tension. Theologians sometimes talk about it as the tension between the already and the not yet. Where in our spiritual walk with Jesus, we live in this, this in-between time between the already and the not yet. So for example, we have already been saved. Right? The day we said yes to Jesus, our eternity was secure, our sins were forgiven, we have already been saved. At the same time, that salvation has not yet fully been realized. We will realize it fully when we see Jesus face to face. And then we will be completely saved. And, and at the end, we will be totally restored, body, spirit, and soul. So we've already been saved, but it hasn't fully been realized yet. It's a, a process now, and we're in the tension of the kind of in-between time. And in the victory of Jesus, he has already won the victory. Scripture is crystal clear, and yet it has also not yet fully been completed and realized. There is still an enemy. He does still have influence. And so, like we talked about with salvation, we're kind of living in the tension of this in-between time where Jesus has already won the victory, but it hasn't been completely fulfilled in reality yet. It is happening more and more and more, and we are a part of that, but it has not yet fully been realized. And so just as we pull a couple of verses out of our text today, we need to acknowledge that the war is won, but it's not completely over yet. Right? We had a shooting in Las Vegas this week. We still fight against despair and discouragement. The enemy is still at work. And so the war is won, but it, the fighting is not done yet. Verse 24 of our text today says that the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so I like this verse because it captures some of that tension that we were just talking about, that Jesus is on the throne, Jesus sits in victory, but not every enemy has come under his feet just yet. 
Not every spirit out there is willing to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Not everyone is willing to put down their arms and stop attacking humanity. So Jesus is in process of bringing everything under his dominion, and one day every single thing ever created will bow a knee and declare Jesus is Lord. But we are not in that place yet. And so Jesus is in process of bringing everything under his feet. And I think a kind of decent picture of this to help us understand it is maybe the Iraq War, uh, the second war in 2003. So America and their allies go into Iraq and fairly quickly... Uh, they take over the country, right? They seize the capital city. They remove Saddam Hussein from power. They found him, if you remember, uh, kind of hiding in a hole in the ground, and they put him in prison. And they take over the airports, and they take over the media, and they establish a new government, and the new government is now in charge of Iraq. And that is, that is exactly what happened, and that's exactly how it played out. However, even as the war was won, because any time you take over the capital, remove the leader, and get a new leader, like the war is over at that point. But even though the war was over, the fighting wasn't finished yet, because there was an insurgency in the country. There was a group who refused to acknowledge the new government, and, and they wanted to keep fighting, and because they couldn't take on America sort of head-on, because America was way too strong for them, they did this guerrilla war you know, through terror actions, and they did suicide bombings, and they did all of these uh, different types of things that they could do with their limited resources, because they couldn't take on the might of America on their own. And so they attacked villages, and they attacked different things, and again, it's not a perfect example, but I think it's a pretty decent picture of where we're living right now, where uh, in Iraq, you know, the, the old regime is torn down, Saddam Hussein is stripped of his authority, he's stripped of his power, he's put in prison, the war is won, but the fighting isn't over yet. And America and their allies and their job, and it's continuing today, is to try to put down the insurgency and push back those who are refusing to lay down their arms. So we're in this tense time, we're in this process. And with Jesus and Satan, Jesus has stripped Satan of his authority. And Satan has been removed from his position, and he has lost his rights, and he has lost his authority, but he hasn't put down his sword yet. And so we still see him at work in our world, and we still see him at work. And our job is not to just be okay with that. Our job is to fight back. When he comes pushing in our lives, our job is to push back and not just be okay when we see him at work in our marriage and in our kids and, and in our health and in all of these different things because there are kingdoms in conflict on the earth right now. And we are a part of the kingdom of light, and light is always stronger than darkness. And so Satan has been stripped. The, the war has been won. He has lost his place. And warfare is any place in our lives where we are pushing him back. But here's what happens. Jake, stand up for a second. Help me illustrate. Isn't it nice to have Jake back up on the worship team? Awesome. Just put your hands on my shoulder. Jake, you're Satan right now, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Not in real life, just for the illustration. So I belonged to Satan at one point, Scripture says. I was a sinner. I didn't know God. I was living under his deception and under his rule. Now Jesus has come, and he has set me free. I am no longer under his rule. I am no longer belonging to him. But Satan's not going to give up anything. He's not going to give up a foot that he doesn't have to. And so he stays in my life as much as I will let him. And he stays there and he influences me and he 
draws me and tries to get me to sin and he tries to mess up my marriage and he tries to get me to quit ministry, he will do that as much as he can. He's not willingly ever going to give up ground. But in warfare, my job is to push back and say, yeah, you actually don't belong in my life anymore. Not you, Jake. I like you. <laughs> Just stay there for a second. My job is to push him out because he's not allowed to be there anymore. Now, there are things I do in my life where I invite him in through my sin and my selfishness, where I'll actually give him some ground where he can take a spot. But it's so key to know that he doesn't have the authority to be in our lives anymore. And yet he's not going to give up ground without a fight. So just push back on me a bit, Jake. This is warfare. This is where we are right now. You're in better shape than I am. This is... <laughs> Okay, let me win, okay, for the sake of the illustration. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. We're in that place of tension where we are pushing him back. He doesn't want to go, but he doesn't have the right to be there anymore. He has been stripped of his right to be there, and that's important for us to understand. And so sometimes as we talk about warfare, um, again, it can get abstract, and we're trying to get it practical as much as we can. Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. So he's acknowledging that we're in that tension, that, that not everything that happens in life is good. There is still an enemy at work. In this world, you will have trouble, but of course he wraps it up. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. There is nothing in the world that he has not beaten. There is nothing that we face that we can't overcome. There is nothing that can take us down because the war has already been won. Because of that, the outcome of any battle in the spiritual realm is never really in doubt. We are a war already won. Verse 57, Paul writes, Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. We timed this. There's a reason we're doing this on Thanksgiving Sunday. This is a great thing to give thanks for. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's his victory. He did it, but he gives it to us. And he allows us to participate in his victory and stand in his victory and fight in his victory. The outcome is never in doubt. There's a story from history the early part, or sorry, the very end of the 19th century, and the British Empire ruled the world. And, and I'm British by my background, some of you are as well, and the British have done wonderful things around the world, and the British have done not so wonderful things around the world, and they had a tendency to go to poorer places and impose their will on other people, and this is actually one of those stories. But Zanzibar is an island off the coast of Africa, and Britain wanted to open up some trade routes there. And there was a sultan in charge, and he wasn't really willing. And so Britain said, if you don't give us what we want by this day, then that will be considered a declaration of war, and, and we'll fight you on it. And so Zanzibar wasn't giving in, and so the day came, and the British uh, just sent their huge navy and sent their huge army and sent all of their expertise, and the war began as they fought against Zanzibar. And the war in its entirety was 38 minutes long. It was the shortest war in recorded history. 
And as all of their might and power came upon the nation, there was just no way that Zanzibar could uh, stand up to it. And so they surrendered and the British people won. Now, if you were laying odds, you know, in Vegas on who's going to win this conflict, the mighty British Empire or the tiny nation of Zanzibar, there is no way that you would ever look at it any other way than the British will just dominate. They were just way too strong and way too powerful. And when we talk about the spiritual realm, we need to know that as well, that yes, there is an enemy. Yes, he has a plan for your life to steal and kill and destroy. Yes, there is an agenda to take you down, but the sides that are fighting in this conflict are not equal by any way. Jesus is stronger. We just sang the song. Jesus is so much greater that the outcome of the fight is never in doubt. The Bible says that when Jesus returns and the world is at its evilest and the powers of hell and everything that's bad rise up to resist the return of Jesus, you know how he's going to overthrow the worst evil that has ever existed in all of creation? You know how he's going to do it? It says literally, by the breath of his mouth. He doesn't even have to throw a punch. Just by the breath of his mouth, he will overturn evil forever. That's how strong our God is. When Jesus rose from the dead, this is so key to us understanding because Satan's greatest weapons against us were sin and death. Because in sin, he can do all kinds of damage in our life and all kinds of damage in our families. And we hurt each other and we're selfish. And in death, he just ends us, right? That's just the end. Even sinful people can do good things, but death can take a good person off the earth. And so sin and death were his two greatest weapons. And the reason we started with this chapter today is because it's all about what Jesus did for us, that when he went to the cross, he dealt with our sins, so it's not in the way anymore. And when he rose from the dead, he dealt with our death, so that's not in the way anymore. Death was Satan's trump card, and the resurrection trumped that trump card. No longer is death final. No longer is that the end. Satan's two greatest weapons have been stripped. And yet he will do anything he can to make sure that we don't know that. That we either don't know it or that we doubt it or that we just can't be bothered to do anything with that. And that makes sense, right? If I were Satan and I was trying to take down humanity, I would do everything I can to make sure just a cloud of ignorance and apathy just rested on people so that you didn't know the truth, right? Lots of Christians don't know just that illustration we just did that you have been freed from Satan. He doesn't have the right to be there anymore. If we don't know that, then we're never going to push him back. So we need to know this stuff. We need to understand this stuff. And that as we understand the resurrection and the cross and what everything that Jesus has done for us, that we have partnered with, we have hitched our wagons to a Lord for whom death was no big deal. That's how big and strong and powerful he is. And he loves us and he's on our side. And that's why scripture says we're more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not just him who made us, but him who loves us. We are more than conquerors. We can't actually lose because the worst thing that can happen in this life is we pass away. And when we pass away, we get to be with him in glory for all eternity. That's the worst thing that can happen to us in this life. The worst thing that can happen is we might see him a little bit earlier than everybody else. But if that's the worst thing that can happen in this life, then we can't lose for all the winning that's going on. We just can't lose unless we throw in the towel, unless we give up, 
unless we stop fighting. We can lose when that happens. That's on us. And that's why when Paul finishes up his passage in verse 58, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Keep fighting. Keep resisting. Keep trying. Don't give up. Victory is the end of this story. So don't let anything move you. Stand firm. When Jesus rose from the dead and met with his disciples, he said to them in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There's a hacky preacher joke uh, that I definitely have used a lot in my career where you say, so I really looked into that word all. I wanted to see the original Greek and the, the tension and the nuance of all that the Greek word for all is. So I looked up the word all, and you know what the word all means in the Greek? All. <laughs> all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus. He earned it with his life of obedience, his death, and his resurrections. Jesus has all of it. If Jesus has all of it, how much does Satan have? Right. And sometimes we talk about, well, Satan has authority in our lives because of this or that. It's like, listen, Satan may have influence in your life. Absolutely. And I can open the door for him to afflict my marriage or afflict my family. But he doesn't have authority in your life. He doesn't have the right to be there. And warfare is where we say, you don't have the right to be there. And it's time for you to go. And sometimes as we think about warfare... We think a lot about angels and demons. We're going to take a week in this series just to talk about angels and demons. But we focus on that, and warfare involves calling upon angels and driving out demons. And, and that is warfare, absolutely. That is a part of warfare, and we will talk about that in the series. But warfare is actually also sometimes way simpler than that. If I see someone who is bound up in discouragement, like I was this week, they're just carrying the weight of discouragement and frustration, if I come and speak words of encouragement and hope and life, that's warfare because we're pushing the enemy back. If there's someone who just needs a hug because they're feeling lonely, if I give them that hug, that's warfare. We're pushing the enemy back. I do warfare with my giving, right, where there is need, and I give to that need. I'm engaging in warfare. We're pushing the enemy back. Anytime we choose God's way and we live out God's word and we're obedient to what we do, we're engaging in warfare. We're pushing the enemy back. So I imagine, actually, most of us have been engaging in warfare maybe a lot more than we realize, just by being obedient to God's word and doing what we're supposed to do. And as we do that, just the simple ways that we love somebody. You know how many people are lonely and hurting and broken in this world, and Satan has them bound up with lies and wounds from their past. And when we show love and when we give encouragement, we are engaging in warfare because we're bringing the good things of God and we're pushing the kingdom of darkness back in their lives. And we'll get more into that as we go through the series of just how we do that. But we need to know who we are and we need to know who our God is. We need to understand what Jesus has done already for us and the fact that we now live that out. So when you get pulled over by a police officer, and none of you have, obviously, ever, but if you've ever been pulled over by a cop, they don't yell and scream. They don't work up emotion. Like, I'm Pentecostal in my background, and so, like, for a Pentecostal, everything's a demon that you need to drive out. That's just part of the, the kind of culture, and so it's, you know, you're out of work at the altar, and we're praying for you, and we bind up that demon of unemployment, and we cast you out, and, um, and that's not even an exaggeration, actually. I've literally seen that happen. But there's a, there can be a picture of what warfare is. And when a cop comes and pulls you over, 
I mean, they don't need to work up anything. They don't need to yell and shout. They, they're often very polite. They call you sir or ma'am, right? Do you have any idea how fast you were going, Pastor Xavier? They are able to... <laughs> they know who they are. They understand the authority that they have. They don't have to say, in the name of the town of Leamington, I charge you with going 25 over the speed limit. Like, they don't need to do any of that. They know who they are. And they know where their authority comes from. And just very calmly and very practically and very simply, they just live out of that. And so we need to know where our authority comes from. We need to know who Jesus is and what he has done. But we also need to have confidence in that. Because scripture says this in Ephesians 3, 10, 11. I've been meditating on this for like half a year. Uh, I love it so much. It says, God's intent was that now through the church, I'll say it again, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's been accomplished by Jesus already. The victory is already won. His intention is that now through the church, through you and me, through us together, God's wisdom, his glory, everything he is unfolding in this great God plan to save the world, he's going to do that through you and me. And so we understand that Jesus has won the victory. Satan declared war on humanity. We'll talk more about this next week. He has declared war on us. He's doing everything possible to take us down. Jesus came as a man to defeat the enemy, strip him of his authority, put him in his place, and win back everything that Satan was trying to steal. Our job now, as the church, is to enforce and spread that victory everywhere we go, is to push the kingdom of darkness back everywhere we go, certainly with our prayers and with our worship, but with our words and with our actions, with our lifestyle, with everything we do as we live life God's way and as we push darkness back everywhere we go. We're just about done, worship team. Come on up. This series is going to raise lots of questions, and that's okay. We welcome questions here. We have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca, and we are always happy to take time to, uh, to follow up. So as we go through the rest of this series, we're going to talk about Satan one week. We're going to talk about angels and demons one week. We're going to talk about Satan's strategies. We're going to talk about how to protect ourselves. We're going to talk about how we can take the offensive and pushing the enemy back. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground. And it's going to get more practical as we go. This week was uh, admittedly a bit abstract just because we were doing some kind of big picture stuff. But we had to start with the understanding that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that is the source of all of our victory and all of our authority in spiritual warfare as we go through this stuff. And we just want to remember, too, a key verse from Ephesians 6, 12. It says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When the Bible says flesh and blood, it means people, primarily. Our battle is not against people. Uh, and how much of my life have I spent angry at people? and frustrated with people, and worrying about people, and arguing with people. And scripture says that's not where the fight is supposed to be. And that's not to say as people that we don't need to talk and work things out. It's not to say that we don't have a responsibility. We'll touch on that too as we go. But our primary battle, the fight is not against people. 
If your marriage is in trouble, the main fight isn't with your spouse. The main fight is against the enemy. And as we wrestle through these things in prayer, as we learn to do things God's way, we're going to see our marriages get better. We're going to see our families get better. We're going to see our relationships get better. We're going to see people come to Jesus more. We're going to see miracles and healings happen. I believe that as we understand that our struggle is not primarily against people, that we take the fight in the spiritual realm first, warfare first. And as we do that, everything else gets easier. As we push the enemy back, all of a sudden that bitter person who you're bitter with, the bitterness starts to evaporate as God starts to come in and change things. And so we want to keep that view in the right place. It's not that we don't have things to talk out, as I say, but our main fight isn't there. So get angry by all means. Just get angry at the right thing. Don't focus your anger at people. Focus your anger at the enemy who has wounded us all and deceived us all and caused us all to fall into sin. Just make sure we keep that in mind as we go because we are a war already won. Jesus has already done so much for us. Victory isn't what we're fighting for. It's what we're fighting from. It's the place that we fight from as we enforce the victory that has already been won and push the enemy back in our lives, push the darkness back as we walk with him. There's a verse from Romans 16 that I love, a promise of God. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And I love it because it's God doing it. It's his power. I don't have supernatural power, but the Holy Spirit does. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You're going to do the trampling. You have the part to play in this. God is going to do this in you and through you because through the church, God wants to demonstrate his wisdom, his glory, his eternal plan of salvation to the world, to the demonic realm, to the enemy, so that he can be glorified. And we're going to spend some time in worship. Just one more song before we go. And our worship is undeniably part of our warfare. The scripture says God inhabits the praises of his people. So whenever we praise and worship him, God shows up to receive it. And whenever God shows up, the enemy has to leave. So we don't do this just to sing nice songs. We do this because we invite the presence of God. And as we proclaim his truth, lies get broken. As we do it together, we encourage one another. Worship is always warfare where the enemy is pushed back. So come and fight with us now. Would you stand with me, please, as we worship for a few minutes before we close? Jesus, we proclaim that this morning you have no equal, you have no rival. The enemy may try all he wants to destroy us, to bring us down, but he can't because you have won the war already. And so we proclaim that truth this morning. You defeated death on the cross and we have freedom now to walk with you. And so we pray that you open up our eyes so that we may see when the enemy wants to bring us down, to oppress us, just destroy us, that we can lean on you for strength. Father, you have defeated death once again and we are free in that. So we thank you for that and we bless your name this morning. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. A few of us are going to be here in the front if you want to talk to us or pray. And if not, have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.